Hooper now offloads. Oh, so close, still short. Glaubanga. There he is! He's over! Hello and welcome to Pick and Drive Live, the live edition of our weekly podcast where we review and preview the big matches in Australian rugby. I'm your host, Ando, and with me is podcast regular Rev. How you doing, Rev? Very good, thanks. Glad to be on. Now, mate, it's great to have you on. We are kind of sending our apologies at the moment. Uh, Mitch's webcam decided to cark it literal minutes before we went live. <laughs> so he's frantically working in the background to try and get in but we'll see how the technology gods fare so far for him. Now, look, I don't know how to say this in any way without being a giddy little schoolboy, but we are joined by the rising star of the Stan Sports team. She's a key player in the engine room of the Super W champions in New South Wales Waratahs, as well as being an esteemed member of the Wallaroos. Move over, Morgs. Get out of here, Goog. The door's that way, Drew Mitchell. It's Sarah Nagama. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me, boys. It is an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for saying yes. And well done on a Stan Sports gig. You're absolutely killing it at the moment. You're the rising star. Rising star? Is that is that is that what you've made up or is that what everyone else is saying? Yeah. <laughs> um, definitely it's everybody else. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, that's uh, that's very kind. That's very kind. Yeah, I mean, Stan has been incredible. And as you guys know, I've been part of the team now for four weeks. And it's... It's come out of nowhere, but it is hands down the best thing I've ever said yes to, besides like Wallaroos. <laughs> <laughs> that is so cool. Well, we're going to get into that in a little bit more detail, but as we continue, remember, this is a live show. We really value your input from the crowd, so make sure to get involved with your questions, comments, and banter throughout the evening, and we will be showing them up on a big screen. As an example, for Productions... You sure Mitch isn't stuck in Byron Bay? That may well be it. That may well be it. And I will take any compliment wherever I can get it. Yes, thank you for the brilliant background. I very much appreciate it. Um, I'm so stoked with this Wallabies jersey, by the way. I freaking love the Indigenous designs that they do every year. So absolutely love it. Okay, what are we going to be covering tonight? Well, to start with, we're going to have some quick fire questions for Sarah to start things off before we then go into the Australia versus Argentina recap and analysis of the game over the weekend. We'll then shift across into the discussion of the team sheets that have just been released today, which is super exciting, before we then move into our predictions for the weekend's matches. And as, look, I'm sorry, we do need to say this. Who needs Mitch when you've got Sarah? That's a fantastic question. <laughs> um, so, Saying what we're all thinking, eh? <laughs> we love you, Mitch. We love you. I hope your webcam gets sorted. Okay. So why don't we jump across into the quickfire questions. Rev, over to you. Absolutely. So, Sarah, as you just mentioned before, you have been with the Stan team for four weeks. Uh, for people that might have, you know, missed the introduction to Stan, how did you actually get involved with that Stan team and what is your background with rugby? Yeah, so to answer the first part, so Stan came about, so I've been doing some work with ABC Sport. Um, I've been uh, co-hosting a podcast with ex-NRL player Dean Hallitau and hosting a TV show called That Pacific Sports Show. I've been doing majority of it alongside um, retired Wallaby Tatafi Pilota now. Um, so we've been doing that gig together for a fair bit and basically I got a a call from Andrew Sweeney, as we know, is a fantastic commentator and lover of the game. And he reached out and said, like, says, like, you know, we've um, 
we've kind of had our eyes on you for the past couple of weeks and would love to know if you would be interested coming on board um, with the stand team. And at that point, it was the Bledisloe Test 3. And, you know, as a, as a footy player myself, I just, like, could see how great of an opportunity it would be to, like, sit amongst some of, you know, the game's best and, and kind of analyze the game. So said yes, and basically the rest is history. I've been um, on the a lot, working alongside the team, but you know, in terms of my rugby, I am um, a current player. I'm a proud Sydney University product. I've been playing the game since I was 17 years old, got involved when I was in school. And basically that was in 2011. And on the back of the announcement that women's rugby sevens would be included at the Rio Olympics for the first time, which took place in 2016. So naturally Australia went mad trying to scout talent and obviously at grassroots level. So um, I basically got involved in the game um, through schoolgirls as a, as a sevens player. Um, and then basically following sevens, found 15s, was at Sydney Uni and then um, love 15s because through it I've been um, so fortunate to play for the New South Wales Waratahs and I've been part of the Wallaroo squad for the past three years. And look, obviously with the, the sevens background, that, that's been a massive help. And I think that's probably shown a lot of the success for the female game, just how dominant the Australian sides have been. But was there ever really much of a push to get into rugby league, I guess, because of obviously a lot of the Knights fans around might know your brothers, uh, Kevin, Wes, but um, was there much push at home to try and get involved with rugby league as well? Um, no, not necessarily. Like my you know, when the opportunity did come up, I kind of was like, well, this is my opportunity to like outshine my brothers. Because, you know, growing up, I was like always Wes and Kevin's little sister and I loved it. But then I also saw it as an opportunity to kind of like, no, I'm not just their little sister, like I'm Sarah. So, um, you know, they've been really supportive. Like they, they're so proud that like I play a contact sport. They love that I play rugby. And like, you know, while the games, the codes are different, there are so many similarities in our games as well. So, um, you know, it's it's been pretty cool to be able to bond with my brothers um, over footy as well. Yeah, that's awesome to hear. Um, look, we're doing a bit of maths and we worked out that throughout the whole of Super W, there's only been 43 matches actually played. Um, which, you know, when you look at that compared to the Super Rugby for the men's, it's a vastly different experience. Um, so despite the success of how um, the Waratahs haven't lost a match yet, do you still think there's, you know, work that needs to be done to try and get some more games played and minutes into your team? Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you bring that up because that's something that I've been thinking about for the past couple of weeks, right? Like in terms of how many times a Waratahs male play gets to wear his jersey in comparison to me as his equal female counterpart. And um, yeah, I absolutely do think that our schedule needs to be expanded. But, you know, while that might be easy to just say the what that may look like, you know, also means kind of putting us into a different environment. And as um, everyone is aware, the women's game is a semi-professional thing. So we're balancing our football. Um, and let me also add like a, a great, we're playing a great brand of football as well when we do get to put our boots on. We're also juggling that with like our full-time jobs, our degrees. Like there is so much happening in the background before we can even get to training and put our boots on. But I would love, love, love to see the schedule expand um, just so that we can we can play more football and, and the football that we thoroughly deserve to play as well, should I add? I think that's one of the big things is because I've gone down to watch the East women play East and my local club up in Queensland. And some of the quality of rugby is fantastic and they actually get a decent run of rugby throughout the club season, but we just haven't seen that sort of step into the semi-professional. So I, I guess in that range, like – for you as a Wallaroo, how have you dealt with uh, the lack of games because of COVID and how are you preparing uh, for the World Cup next year? 
I just take like a deep breath in because I'm like a lot of frustration has yeah. been felt this year. Ooh, um, it's been so, so disappointing. Um, you know, the last time that the Wallaroos got to kit up was in 2019 and that was before COVID kind of came in and caused havoc throughout the world of sport and just like throughout the globe, right? Um, yeah. And then this year has been so unfortunate in the sense that we've been, we haven't been able to play any of the fixtures that were organised for us. And, um, you know, we had tests set up against Manusino, who is the Samoan national team. We had two tests set up against the Black Ferns, um, we had a Pacific uh, four-tier series that was meant to take place. And we also were meant to have our World Cup this year as well, which got postponed until next year. So, you know, you can imagine on the back of 2019 when the girls um, had experienced such great success against Japan and then, you know, a strong campaign against New Zealand coming into 2020, we're like, well, it's going to get even better um, because yeah. we're going to play all this Test 40 in preparation for the World Cup. COVID comes in. We don't get us like... A foot in at all so you know we're placing all of our anticipation all of our excitement onto 2021 and then we thought the worst of the pandemic was behind us not knowing what was in front of us so you know i i really take my hat off to you know and i call the girls like my sisters i take my hat off to my sisters like we've had to cop some some heavy blows this year to our schedule but like here we still are and you know more passionate and as committed than ever because you know we've got a world cup next year that we we are all vying for and I think, you know, as hard as it's been, there's been so much support just from the public. I know when we saw the announcement uh, this week of the Pacific Four um, Nation Series coming up between the Wallaroos, New Zealand, USA and Canada, there was so much support online because everyone's dying to see more uh, action from the Wallaroos. And I, I want to ask because um, traditionally there's been some really tight matches between the Wallaroos and USA, France and Ireland probably in particular. There's been some really close games. And Canada and uh, New Zealand, they really tough opponents as well so how excited are you to actually get to test yourselves against you know two really top teams uh in the game but also to really show that the Wallaroos are one of the top teams as well oh extremely excited right like you want to play the best teams to kind of you know measure yourself against them and um you know the fact that we even have the Pacific Four um kind of locked in for us um it's really exciting and kind of makes us like kind of look forward um, to, to some fixtures next year. But to to have opponents like Canada and New Zealand in the competition is huge. And, you know, going into the World Cup where every country would be putting their best team forward, you kind of want to make sure that you're playing that level of rugby so that you're kind of conditioned to the pace of that game, to the physicality of that game. So um, stoked and the Wallaroos would definitely not be shying down from the challenge. Awesome to hear. It's a really good question that's come in here from Board Productions or Matt uh, from Gold Digger Rugby. Does Rugby Australia need to desperately create a professional 15 squad before the women's 15 comp starts in 2023? Many Northern Hemisphere teams aren't fully set up yet, and it could well be an opportunity for early success. I would love to see RA set up a professional 15 squad. Like, I I mean, you know, the, the fact of the matter is, like, there aren't probably enough resources. I don't know if that's the right way to put it um, to kind of do that for us right now, but there've definitely been conversations that have circulated in the locker rooms with the girls. Like, you know, imagine if they picked out 30 plays and said, we're going to keep you for one whole year. We're going to train you in a fully professional environment to see what you guys can do leading into the world cup. Like they, you will not lose by having a team play and train together religiously consistently not having to worry about anything else but football you can only benefit from a, a, a setup like that so I would I would love to see it I don't know if um you know being in a professional setup will be something that I get to see in in my lifespan of rugby but um 
with the way that the game is trending and the conversations that are happening and particularly like the the uproar from the public of wanting to see this happen, um, you can only hope that it's it's much closer than we think it is. Yeah. Rev, think- are you good to keep going with that? Yep. Yeah, I was going to say, I think we've got most of the questions done from the list there, but I, I just think it's awesome to hear all this stuff. And I, I think the idea of just having the professional set up for a full year, because that's really what led um, Japan to their World Cup success recently, is just Jamie Joseph got all those players and just said, hey, look, we're just going to train together. We're going to have this whole time to prepare. We know we don't have the same you know, depth as other teams, but they pushed everyone. So I think that, I mean, if we can get the resources together, it would be such an awesome thing to happen for the Wallaroos team. Um we might jump over to the recap just to have a bit of a look at the weekend's action. Uh, we obviously were able to continue our streak with three wins in a row there, getting uh, the 27-8 to eight win over Argentina, uh, which also doubled down as the biggest win in the Dave Rennie era, which is an awesome thing to see and really trending positively. And I'll just throw the mention out that New Zealand also got a slight 19-17 win in the 100th match between themselves and the Springboks. Um I mean, really just two teams that came out the blocks firing and I thought it was going to be a massive, you know, huge scoring game and then it really dried up the well quickly with some penalty goals. But uh, Jordy Barrett showing his all-class with an absolute nudge from the sidelines. Um, we've got a bit to recap. Andrew, do you want to run through that? Yeah, cool. Let's start things off. So uh, Mitch was going to be running this, but I'll jump in and take it over for him. So Sarah, starting with you, what do you think was the main factor in the Wallabies' victory over the Pumas if it is possible to narrow it down to kind of just one main thing? Well, one person really does stick out to me, and it's Summer Karevi, right? Like, he's been such yeah. an injection to the Wallaby side, and just his attacking flair and his ability to keep the ball in play. Like, you know, you see him, and he's such a big body. So, you know, naturally, um, if you're an opposing player, you'd just you'd want to run up to him and try and tell him to stop his momentum. But that does nothing to the guy. Like, he finds a way to let the ball go and keep the ball in play. And, um, you know, I feel like his combination with Len Ikatao working outside of Quade Cooper, like, They've been really, really strong. And to me, he's just stood out time and time again, and rightfully so, he was named player of the match. I 100% agree. The difference of the side in the kind of the the composure that they have, he's rarely putting a foot wrong. I think Hunter Paisami has been brilliant so yeah. far within the Wallabies. But one of the challenges that he's had is his ball security hasn't always been at the quality that's needed for a test level. And Samu brings that ball security, but also adds that ability to stand upright and tackle and get the ball away as well. Kind of add that kind of second phase option before the defense has a chance to get reset. Um, mm-hmm. I've loved what he's brought. He's brought that experience and composure I think that's a really really good shout and kind of Jason Sherman does jump in here with a really good question of where does Hunter fit in with all this Uh, I think Hunter definitely is still a part of the picture but what we're seeing is the development of squad depth and that's something that we haven't always had so we know that Hunter is a young quality player either at 12 or 13 and we've got to remember he's still relatively new to the Wallaby setup Rev, can you remember off the top of your head how many kind of caps that he has at this point? Yeah, he's got 10 caps. So, you know, in 16 games under Rennie, he's played in, uh, you know, the majority of them when you consider that he also left for the birth of his first child. So, I mean, I, I don't think there's really much to worry about uh, too much for him. I think he's very young. So, I mean, Karevi's probably the best player in the team at the moment, arguably, other than Hooper. So um, the fact that he's got to work his way back into the team, that's a great challenge for a young player. And I think when we've got our full strength team, he probably does fit somewhere in the 23. He's a great bench option if we do have, you know, the ability to play 12 and 13. So, yeah, I, I don't think there's too many concerns for young Hunter. 
Um, Sarah, how would you feel with having to defend Samu Karevi? Having to defend him would probably make players regret their profession. How would you feel going in for a tackle on him? Yeah, I'd give it a crack. Why not? <laughs> yeah, go low, go hard. I would not be yeah. running the other Go low, go hard. Yeah. Close your eyes and just hope for the yeah. best. <laughs> uh, um, Hugh Tyndall raises a really interesting point regarding the communications of the players. So have, when they had Hunter doing drills at practice to make him talk. So basically you had the nine and 10, I think it was at that time, Tate and Noah, they weren't allowed to talk and it was relying upon Hunter to be the one guiding the team around at training. That obviously is an area for him to be working and building on. Cause from what I've seen of him with particularly like the Ros Kelly interview that he did for Stan sport and just general commentary and interviews that he's done, he's a very reserved person mm. and he doesn't seem to always put himself forward at least within kind of the media side of things um what samu seems to have brought is just that layer of experience and being willing to just boss people around uh, i think also having nick white at nine as well is super helpful uh because he just doesn't shut up and will just tell anybody anything and that's what you need it's obviously another point of difference or experience as well that differs from um what what hunter was playing with at that time um why don't we just continue on just quickly going through all these questions because we've got so many great ones that have been coming through. Um, quick question, Sarah, do you think the Hunter can play alongside Karevi? Yeah, I think he can. Like you also have to remember, right, like if you're in the Wallaby squad, you're good enough to be there and you're also good enough to put on a jersey to represent your country. So I think it is. I also want to say, though, if you're going to put Hunter alongside Karevi, you also have to take into consideration who you're going up against and what exactly are you trying to play. Like, you know, what I really love about Lennon, yes, it's, you know, you, you expect it from your 13, is he, he holds his width and he just really trusts Samu um, to get yep. the ball out to him when he needs to. So um, if Hunter can spend as much time as Len has outside of him, then, yeah, absolutely they can. He can, sorry. Awesome. Awesome. Um, so, Rev, look, you and I have acknowledged on the pod the, the Dave Rennie mantra of we just need to be better. That's an area we need to improve in. What areas do you think the Wallabies need to be improving going up against the Lost Pumas this uh, Saturday night? We'll probably cover this a bit when we go through analysis in the team sheets, but I think one area yep. really this week is set piece. I just think the lineouts have a bit of work to do, but this week is a great opportunity to expose the scrum. Uh, with a few reasons that we'll get into later. But I, I think if we can just nail the set piece, we can really show that we're not just winning these games, that we can be ruthless. You know, the knife's in. Let's see if these guys can twist it. Yep, 100%. That's kind of what we want, that killer edge. We didn't see that at the kind of final 20 minutes of the game on Saturday, or really the second half on Saturday when mm. we could have just absolutely blown the game out wide. And I think that's looking to that um, that that killer instinct that Rennie is definitely wanting from this team. Okay, cool. Sarah, I'll throw this one to you as well rather than asking myself a question. So <laughs> um, I, personally, I have not always been the most complimentary towards the Pumas and the way they've been playing over the last kind of six, four weeks. There are, there are good reasons for it in terms of the challenges they face, the omission of the Jaguares from Super Rugby, the near constant international travel they've had to face. There's a lot of reasons. But do you think that we, are you confident that we're going to be making it four games in a row and winning this game against the Pumas on the weekend? Yes, wholeheartedly, yes, I am confident that our boys nice. can do it. Um, yeah. You know, like we've, we've constantly been talking about the Wallabies and I kind of raised it on stand a couple of weeks ago. You know, for the past couple of years, it's fair to say that the Australian public haven't been, um, you know, 
really stoked of the boys' performance, and rightfully so. When you're not losing games, it really is discouraging. But the way that the boys have played um, throughout this year, throughout this test season, and particularly over the, the rugby championships, has really injected some like fresh enthusiasm into Australian fans. And you know, as a player, when you know that the public's supporting you and is on your side, it makes you want to get up for them. And um, I just, I, I believe wholeheartedly that the boys can do it. And I know we're going to go through team lists a little bit later, but with the injection of some powerful players making their return to the fold as well, we are going to win straight up. Ooh, love it. <laughs> we're going to win love straight it. up. Well, let's head to, let's head to some analysis of the weekend's game. And Sarah, jumping on from that confidence, we've got a clip here of Darcy Swain absolutely eating malls like it's breakfast so what we'll do is i'll play the clip and then kind of do you want to talk through what we're seeing and um i can i can replay it multiple times if needed for you to kind of break down what he does within this moment so let's get the video going yeah definitely so here we have them in their 22 uh the, the ford pack decide to stay on the ground and kind of push the argentinians back darcy swain as you can see he's absolutely mongrel and does not give up and as a second role myself i can totally empathize with this performance because it's one thing to try and um to stop a more but it's another thing to go so far back and turn the ball over in you know in the dying not necessarily dying minutes again but an important or crucial point of the game. Um, I just really give it to him because, you know, to be fair, attacking-wise, we weren't doing so well. But when I saw him come off the bench and do this in his first defensive lineout, I was like, mate, why didn't we start you? Like, honestly, why yeah. did we not start you? But um, I guess the, the what I want to highlight here is the fact that it is really, really hard to defend a mall um, and to turn it over and gain possession for your side. Um, it's it's unheard of, like particularly in the games that I play anyways. So I thought it was pretty outstanding for him in terms of defense. And I actually will go as far to say, like, I think he's the best defensive um, uh, wallaby when it comes to lineouts. Like he's just mongrel and he has, like, he has no respect for the opposition and he comes up with plays like this. And remember his clutch um, moments yep. in the French series as well. Um, no one would be forgetting that anytime soon. So he's super young, but he's pushing the big dogs like Matt Phillips. Um, for for their position so yeah that was my outstanding play yep. from the weekend how fantastic and swain is indeed a monster at the mall <laughs> michael gardner so we got to remember how young he is too and how yeah. much he still has ahead of him how old is he like 22 or something 23 like he's young yeah. Yeah. he's young and so he's got like another 10 years potentially within the wallabies jersey which is absolutely fantastic <laughs> so cool um let's head to the second round of kind of line outs and this is kind of a less positive picture that we wanted to break down and my, my basic question here sarah is what went wrong so i'll play the first one and then pause it and then we'll do yep. the second one so we'll just do it one by one all right so <laughs> that's it <laughs> very very <laughs> i'll play it one more time here we go flower finger throwing it in and what's going on there? Look, I I don't know if you guys have picked this up too, but I think that the wall of his lineouts are quite simple in the sense like there's no movement, there's no trick play. Um, and, you know, the Argentinians, as they would, they probably did their research on the wall of his in black ball. With less movement, they could probably pick out who their triggers are. Um, and who their main jumpers are. So to be fair, what you saw here was a pretty simple lineout that was pretty easy to defend. And as a result, they were able to nick it. And look, he jumps like right in front of him. Like that is defense 101. If you're not going to compete in a lineout, throw someone up in the front and just hope that they disrupt the ball. But yeah, he took pay for it. And yeah, they got the turnover. Yeah, there's a big part of me that just as a salty green and gold fan, uh, look at where he lands. I'll try and point. Yeah, you see, see where he lands? Right there, where's, where's pushing the him into the line? Isn't that the class definition of um, 
coming across the line out. So yeah. I thought you had to jump up straight. <laughs> you, you absolutely do, but like you, you, you do it to the ref's core, right? So you know, like defense, like yep. line out. I'm like, well, throw it, like throw me over, throw me over, and make it, make it, make it hell for the opposition. So yeah, they basically did it. And if I was like the prop, like in front of the wall, I'd be like, demand them to like give you a wider gap. But I don't know, yep. couple of things. Yep. And, and that's what we're seeing from Jock Cardmore. Jock Cardmore, old amigo, is jumping across, so it's a penalty. Surely, <laughs> Lincoln Adler, that's some under thirteen garbage. Um, I know about so that. Yeah, that's that's an area for improvement. Let's now look at the uh, second lineout that we were going to check out. So it's Kai Tu throwing it to Swain, and he fumbles it on the way down, gets tapped back by the Argies, and it's their ball from there. So we'll watch it one more time. Sarah, what's going on? Oh, well, like, what's doing with that throw, first of all? That is not, that's not ideal. And Where I mean, particularly. Where does he catch it? Like, right, like. There hip, we go, on the hip. Left hip, yeah. left hip, outside yeah. hip. And, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but Swain's at the back of the line out here, right? So, typically, like, yep. you want, like, a lob throw, but the fact that it's come so low, like, it's it's not the best throw. Um, and then where Swain collects the ball makes it really easy for the defense to come over and interrupt it. Like, that's what you meant to do, right? You meant to make that ball hell for them. So, yeah, started off with a bad throw, not a great collect, and then oh, bye-bye ball. <laughs> bye-bye. Um, but that being said, our line-out in general has improved as the competition has continued. This game was probably a bit of a... Um, a I can't think of the right word. It was an aberration. It, it was not a consistent. It was not a reflection of the improvement that our lineout has had. And I think having a genuine jumping six like uh, Leota or Swinton has been a really good addition to the team to enable our lineout to be a little bit more secure. Now for the yeah. next one, what I want to talk about is Reese Ho- Hodges' try. And before we do that, this is something. This is a clip that a lot of people have shown over the coming week. But I, just for my own sense of pride, need to show you something here. Um, at where is it? Where is it? Here we go. At eight fourteen on Saturday, in our group chat about the game, I said, "See Marika's line outside of Hodge took two defenders off Hodge for him to bust through so good." And then Timmy Horan says it on the commentary, and I'm like, "Too bad, mate. I already said it." So I just yeah. want to be clear: this is not me stealing it from other people. I freaking said you it called it. Okay? I, I can vouch for that I as well. It. You did. You did type that before Horan said that. I'll vouch for that. Thank you. Well Thank done. You. So let's play this and uh, we'll go from there. Basically, let's just keep on playing as the midfield craziness comes through. A swing down to the short side or near side, I should say. And here we go. Karevi just being a beast. Even gets hammered in there and it looks like he gets knocked over, but he's still so massive. Now, mm. watch watch Marika. Marika has been on the left there along with Karevi and they both wrap it around. And look at his acceleration here. And then the two outside defenders are drawn straight into him. Now, that is one of the awesome things about having two power backs within a squad. So Marika is right here, okay, at the previous ruck. He runs basically all the way across the field to be on the outside of Hodge. And Karevi has also provided a threat on the inside as well as we kind of just go to another freeze frame over here. I'll just jump forward a little bit more. And you can see Karevi joining. You can see Karimbeti outside. Sorry, just trying to find the right marker. And you basically see him just being that absolute weapon of a threat outside. And so you have the two defenders here looking at Marika. And then Hodge is big enough to be left with a one-on-one to be able to shake it off and get through. And the ridiculous thing here is that that is something that he does by 
just work rate and effort alone. And it's going to be a really big loss for this weekend because he so deservedly has been giving time to go and spend with his family. The video that the, um, the Wallabies put up on Instagram of his kids meeting him at the airport. Mm. Was yes, so that was nice. It was awesome. It was so good. But uh, I'm really hope one of the concerns I have about um, Jordi Pattaya is that he is this game-breaking player that can come up with moments of magic, but I'm not too sure how good his work off the ball is whether or not he can match that. So I wonder if they're going to be looking for an increase in work rate from Andrew Kellaway instead and then having Jordan Pataya as more of that key finisher. I don't know. Rev, what do you think on that one? Uh, a few things come to mind from that. Firstly, that freeze frame. How good is the marketing? Like, I want to go out and get some Cadbury right now just looking at that. Um, <laughs> the other thing, <laughs> I, I completely agree that Corin Betty deserves a time off, and I think it's going to be really hard. Yeah. I, I don't think Callaway can mirror his work rate, and that's no slight yeah. to Callaway. I just don't think there's any, I'm going to say any back in Australian rugby that works as hard as Corin Betty. So I just, I, I do think it's going to be a real team effort to try and replace that, but it, it, you're probably better off just playing your own game as opposed to trying to mm. recreate someone that's just a, real one-off talent um and secondly just with that video of um Karambiti's kids going up to see him i think that'd be me if i saw geordie pataya at the airport i'd be running up to him squealing crying like a baby so <laughs> i i love that he's in there i think this is great let's give him a chance because he is he's exciting he's not like Karambiti. he's not yeah. like Kellaway, but i don't really yep. think there's many players like him i think yep. uh 2018 when we saw the end of falau and karevi was sort of our only attacking threat Everyone's looking to get Pataro in the back line because he was really seen as that other X-factor player that just had he contain him. And I think this might be a good chance to really see him in full flight. Yep. What do you – sorry, just jumping in there. Like, What do you enjoy about Pataro's playing style? There's something about the way when he does have ball in two hands that he just makes defenders look silly. Like, because he's got yeah. such strong feet work, but uh, footwork, sorry. But I think people also look at him and think, oh, he's 21. He doesn't look super filled out. Maybe I can take him one-on-one. And he just pushes through them so easily. Like his strength um, for a young man is just, it's crazy. So I, um, yeah, kneel at the altar of Jordi Pataya. <laughs> you may have picked up or not, Rev is a huge Reds fan. Uh, so Queensland boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to stick up for him when I can. Uh, Hugh Tyndall jumps in and says Pataya has massive boots to fill replacing Corimbete this week. I don't see him getting close to Marika's work rate. Yep, we've spoken to that. Really good point. Um, here we have Dave Chilton. Great point in regards to the support line that um, Corimbete was running. So true. Such an important part of the game. Support runners create so many tries and something that All Blacks have been world leaders in for so long. Great to see us starting to get to string backs and good support lines together. Um, now, let's just go a couple more. Jock Cudmore has said Jordy has a fair bit of downtime in the camps. I'm sure he's been hitting the books and whatnot. I can't see Rennie putting in someone not ready to step up. And that really speaks to the in Rennie we trust, the the other mantra that. that we as fans have, <laughs> in Rennie we trust. Because I love that. I, well, it's so true. Like, personally, I wasn't sold on Rob Leota's inclusion. I I thought okay. I was a bit iffy about it. But then he came in and had a fantastic game. And it just shows that I'm not the national coach and that <laughs> Dave Rennie really knows what he's doing and knows when yeah. players are ready to step up. And so I'm really um, I'm really confident, actually, that Jordi Pataya will be able to step up and fill, go some way to fill the boots of Marika Corambete. I just want to add to that. Like, there's something about the way that Dave Rennie does selections and the way he brings in boys that makes you kind of like, what like what do you see? Because like everyone has like a pretty general opinion, and then you know he he brings in players, and then 
you know, again, we're going to go through team lists a little bit later. Um, it doesn't make sense to us, but there is a method to Rennie's madness. Um, and I'm, I'm here for it. I love it. I love seeing, I love seeing the boys being led by him at the moment. hundred percent. There seems to be this, this aura around the camp that it's a really positive place to be. And, um, look there, Jason Sherman jumps in with, is the breakaway here on screen? Uh, I'll put it back on screen. A, uh, coincidental or intentional thing from Cadbury that's a very good question who knows probably intentional um and a couple of other things uh Sarah we'll put this one out there from Robski Foster as well it's great Sarah to have your views and energy you're a wonderful ambassador and leader for women's rugby in Australia all the best for the future how how lovely um that may or may not be Mitch's mum um but that doesn't devalue the comment whatsoever absolutely not where is Mitch? How? Yeah. <laughs> his, his, his computer it's a question we're all asking. <laughs> that is a question. Rev, why don't we j- jump across to uh, your bit of analysis you wanted to quickly cover? Um, yeah, so sure, I'll mate. just hit play and then over to you, mate. Um, I actually really like, because in the comments before, Dave Chilton um, segued to this beautifully. He could be a, a host of the pod, I reckon. But um, you're just talking about how our support play is something that's really important. Uh, and we see with this uh, really nice line break here that, those inside angles is something that uh, are kind of really prioritised for this time at the Reds. And Lola Sio actually did a fair bit of it at the Brumbies as well. But I think one of the things that comes up in this play is that worked really well just to make that break, but we didn't have that killer finish uh, towards the end of the second half because we had James O'Connor come on. And it's no slight on him. It's just that he's a very different playmaker in uh, fly half compared to Quade Cooper. So we see in a little bit, we work our way across the field and as we get there, there's a bit of a loopy pass here from Tate, so it does slow the ball down a bit. You can just see acres of space over on that far side. And as I look to it, you can see their jog gets the ball, and we've got so much space there and a perfect line if Karevi's running in. But that isn't how he's been running those lines with Quaid. No, oh, cheers. Yeah, it's, just, it's not the same that he's been running those lines when he's had Quaid as his 10. And I think one of the big differences here is uh, O'Connor's been really used to having uh, Hunter Paisami or uh, Jordi Pattaya or even, you know, Josh Fluke and Felipe Dungunu running those lines for him at the Reds. Uh, this time, he, he doesn't have the same uh, access there. Karevi is in a great spot, but he can't capitalise because it, it's not the same thing. So I think my big, uh, I guess, area for, I, I guess, improvement you could tie into it, but it's, it's not a huge issue, is Jock and Quaid are very different fly hops. So I think we do need to establish um, when one does come on or come off what sort of game style we're playing because Quaid has a great pass. So he's been sending it wide a little bit more often. Whereas Jock loves doing a little uh, wrap or trying to get the inside ball back in on a cut. Um, So I'd I'd just like to see them probably execute a few more tries that way, just because we had so much uh, promising attack, but just didn't quite get the reward for it. How good. Sarah, was there Uh anything that jumped out at you as we showed that clip? I don't know, really, but like, you know, one thing I did notice and is like when someone would carry the ball, one of the backs would just be kind of sniffing around the ruck trying to run like a bit of a rip play. Um, and it's not as obvious as what you would see of like, you know, when you typically in rugby, you have like your tripod set up and you you know that who's your left option, who's your right option. But what I noticed with the Wallabies is like they kind of take it into play and there's a player that, you know, kind of like what Marika did, like they're kind of just like sniffing around the ruck just to run in that line. And I think it's um it's working to their favor but you know i love what you said rev because the boys uh the tens absolutely do control the game and the way that james handles a game compared to quaid is very very different but i mean i love seeing him back in the fold everyone was bloody stoked yeah. to see james o'connor back in the fold um but yep. yeah no very valid points i agree with you 
Awesome. Uh, Rev, you good if we move on now to the discussion of the team sheets for this week, mate? Yes, absolutely. All Which right, team we put up first? For you. Uh, let's go. Who do you want to start with, mate? I've got all of them available for us. Do you want to get Argentina. the box out of the way? Oh, go. Okay, we'll go Argentina. I'll get that up for yeah, you. Yeah, four teams. We're going to do four teams. <laughs> uh, we're we'll, gonna, we'll, we'll, we'll briefly talk about this. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, the other Very game. Briefly. The other game. Yeah. Game. Yep. <laughs> All righty. Now, this team I was really keen to see just because of obviously what we've uh, seen happen today in Byron Bay, where we've got six of the players, um, two regular starters as well, uh, missing out because they're no longer in the right state. So, um, a slight issue that they've had to contend with. Um, some of the changes that we can see come through, we've got a bit of a change to the props with uh, Rodrigo Martinez and Enrique Pireto uh, getting their first starts uh, for quite a while. And I will come back to touch on the props in a little bit because that's a bit of a concern. Uh, for them, really promising signs. Guido Petty comes back in to start. He's probably the best lock uh, in Argentina at the moment and one of the form um, proponents, I think, at getting those line-out steals and just disrupting play. So a great call from them. Uh, and then a really timely return for Rodrigo Bruni, who fills uh, Pablo Matera's spot in the back row. Uh, the back row is really looking quite strong, especially given Juan Martin Gonzalez made his debut this year. Uh, the back line remains mostly unchanged. Everyone's the same spot. I'm still keen to see Santiago Carreras light up at 10 because he is a bit of a makeshift option with Sanchez out. Uh, but Matias Moroni, he's back from injury and a really timely one because he's been featured in nearly every squad that he's been available for whether it's at left wing, right wing, or outside centre. So I think they're going to be quite happy to have him back. Um, the concern that I want to bring up, and, and just why it's so stupid on behalf of Medrano that he would risk not being able to play, the Pumas have had the hardest run just with injuries. And so they started this by not being able to have um, Nahuel Tetas Chaparro, and I think it was also uh, Gomez Codella. They're the two best uh, props, they're two starting props, and they weren't available because of personal reasons, which is absolutely understandable. Um, so we then had uh, Carlos Muzio come in as the backup loose head. He got injured. And now we've got Rodrigo Martinez, who made his debut last week, starting. And Thomas Gayo, who's the reserve loose head, potentially making his debut if he comes off the bench. So we're looking at really inexperienced props, guys that have had next to no minutes. Uh, and it's a massive concern. On the tight head side, it's not much better. Um, Pirato has been with the squad for ages, so there's no concerns there. Uh, but Madrano is one of the only players that's actually played in every match for the Pumas uh, this year, which is a really important cog, I think, for you know their scrum to function. The issue they've got is Eduardo Bello. If he comes off the bench, um, he's not played this year. He hasn't played since 2017. And you might think, oh, well, you know, that's the same for two of our Wallabies players. But he's only played 200 minutes of Test Rugby and none against a first, uh, sorry, a Tier 1 nation. So wow. this is a massive step up. Um, and my concern really is how he acclimatizes to that because if we, you know, are sort of as good as we're saying we are at the moment, our forward pack must be licking their lips, looking at this team, thinking, all right, it's still an Argentinian team. We've got to respect them, but this isn't their best team, and it's pretty far from it. Yep. We got Hugh Tyndall jumping in. The odds must have basically shortened to one dollar and one cent after those six blokes had a jolly down to Byron. We did have a question come in from Steve Lenthal. Um what I want to ask you, Sarah, is um, how much stick do you think the forwards 
in that Argentinian group that got stuck in New South Wales because they went down for a health and wellness retreat. Uh, Why do forwards uh, need a health and wellness retreat? Surely it's the backs that should be going and getting the nails manicured and everything like that. Um, I mean, I could totally empathise, the you know, the forwards. They do the most work on the field. Uh, so, you know, the <laughs> fact that they wanted to go get um, some treatment down in Byron Bay makes sense to me. But, you know, look, on a serious note, a bit of a, a silly step to make when you're right in the middle of tour and also... Like, did you just not think that Corona doesn't touch you or it doesn't stop you from traveling? So, look, the the forwards are there because they've, they've put in a huge shift over the past couple of weeks and they just needed some TLC. That's what I heard. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> well, uh, we've got some thoughts or spec wild unfounded speculation <laughs> the brewery tour um they really could have just had a morning session with james o'connor isaac rotter i love that i love yeah, that <laughs> so they want some like personal um mm. almost like rejuvenation just go do some deep breathing exercises with jock and you'll be set for the next couple of days that'll be absolutely <laughs> brilliant uh rev why don't we head across now to the wallabies team yeah, absolutely. Um, look, with the Wallabies, this is a really exciting team. Um, we've seen some really nice, uh, I guess, continuity built through this side. So it's nice to see Slipper, Feinger and Tupo uh, keep their spots in the front row. Uh, Rodder and Swain, it's the first time we get to see this combination starting, I think. Um, Phillip's getting a you know well-earned rest on the bench. Um, not that it'll be much rest because he'll come on and provide a lot of impact, but it's nice to see Swain get another starting opportunity. And then the first time we've had this back row of Pete Samu at six, Michael Hooper at seven, and Rob Valentini at eight. Um, it is interesting because at the Brumbies, they tend to have those positions swapped for Pete and Rob, but I'm very keen to see how they progress there given how strong Valentini's been this year. Mm. Uh, the back line isn't too different. The big change, I guess, we've mentioned Corin Betty's out, so that means Jordi Pattaya comes in. Uh, but importantly, Andrew Kellaway's swapped to Corin Betty's side, which is what happened uh, when Corin Betty missed a match for uh, because of the red card and it was actually Pattaya that was the right wing in that instance as well so we have seen this uh, look before um, it's pretty exciting seeing those two options there I think they're both going to provide a good punch uh, and Kellaway I mean he's been I mean in a field of plenty of options probably the star um, debutant this year so really impressed with him uh, but all the discussions in the reserves isn't it because we've got the return of Lockie Lonigan, which is a nice touch we've got Greg Holmes the 38 year old who you know could be out there being Angus Bell's dad, but is instead lacing up the boots beside him on the bench. And I think just doing an awesome job of showing that, you know, he made his first test uh, debut in 2005. 209 matches have passed since then. So he could be a double centurion, wow. but he is uh, sitting there ready to make his 28th cap, which is awesome for the big man. Uh, we've mentioned Philip on the bench. Sean McMahon provides a lot of excitement coming through. Um, I mean, the Earn the Weekend tattoos sort of been the talking point the last few weeks, and I think he's someone that's just going to go 110%. Uh, he's got a point to prove, and the fact that he can cover any of the six, seven, or eight positions, it really is nice having that flexibility. Mm. Uh, a timely return, um, and I hate to mention another New South Welshman, but Jake Gordon getting a crack um, over a Reds player, just really, what's the world coming to? But, Get um, in. <laughs> no, I think an awesome opportunity because the race for the scrum halves has been really tight and I really yeah. think any of the three could start at any point. So I think really important that he gets a few more minutes before the spring tour. Uh, James O'Connor retains his spot. I'm keen to see him get some more minutes as well. But really importantly, Tom Wright, um, I think this is a point to prove because at the start of the test season, off the back of Super Rugby, I think most people had him as their starting right wing. 
Um, the fact that he's got his owner's way back because of the former Callaway is an awesome opportunity for him to come in and say, hey, guys, don't forget about me. Um, I'm keen to add to my caps. Come. Yeah, well, we've had so many comments coming in. I just kind of want to quickly go through a few of these. Uh, Lincoln Adler just quickly says, any prop going to a health and wellness retreat needs to have the membership. <laughs> uh, they need some love too. Yeah. <laughs> um, we've also got, oh, what else did we see? Where is um Zach Chen was saying that he'd love to see Izzy Parisi for the spring squad. He could add so much. Fully agree. I mean, I'm a massive Wallabies fan, and Izzy Parisi was just the standout player in what was just a shocking season for the Waratahs this year. Um, Michael Gardner is keen to see how Kelway goes at 11, expecting Argentina focus on that channel with Marika out. Jason Sherman wants Jock starting at 15. Hell's no in my book, my friend. Um, <laughs> but that is something that is it's an option. He, provi- he does provide some versatility within that back line. So he could play there in a pinch if required. Although I personally, I think you'd probably see Kellaway move across um, into 15. Uh, Jason also asked, have they missed a trick not resting Hooper in this game? Sarah, do you think that this was an opportunity for Fraser McWright maybe to jump in and get a start as an out-and-out fetcher? Yes, but you need your captain. You need your captain. Like you, I believe that your captain should start. He should, like, they, they could limit his minutes, um, but... I don't think Dave Rennie would have had any intention of resting their captain. Completely agreed. It's we've got to keep that momentum going. You, like we've got three in a row. The the talk and the chat around the team is so great. If we can make it four, then look, it just is that extra level of enthusiasm leading into the spring tour. Um, we also have Michael Gardner saying that the addition of McMahon allows Pete Simon to be rewarded with a start. He's been electric coming off the bench. I think it's very well deserved. But that also needs to speak to Rob Liotta actually having a fantastic game last week as well. So I don't yeah. think it's a case of Rob Liotta doing anything wrong i think that it's a case of rennie putting him in seeing how he performed and then having that information for future squad-based decisions so he knows that leota can perform at this level um and now he wants to see what samu can do with a full match ahead of him uh so th- there's so much going on there uh jock cardinal is loving the fact that gus bell's gr- just graduated from nappies when home <laughs> that's that's <laughs> fascinating that's this is facts. a big one <laughs> How good is it to see Reese Hodge starting with an actual position rather than the eternal jack of all trades? That's the massive thing. He has needed to nail down a position for so long. Um, and I think we're really going to be seeing him grow. Uh, what else do we have that we want to quickly st- stick with? Here we go. Lincoln Adwood again. Swain and Sami deserve a run home. Surely our tight head stocks are, th- are that low. Surely not that hard to get Harry out of lockdown. I think it was a case of Pony Farmacilli's injury took too long to um, to recover from. And it was always that he should be back. He should be close to a recovery. And then it never came through. So I believe that's why Greg Holmes was brought in rather than try and get Harry Johnson Holmes out of kind of New South Wales quarantine and lockdown requirements and everything. Um, okay, cool. Rev, uh, what? Uh, any other points that we want to make here? Personally, I'm super excited to see Swain get another full game in him. Um, I'm loving the depth of the locks that we're building. Who needs uh, um, Adam Coleman, Rory Arnold, Will Skelton? <laughs> we've got such, we've genuinely got good, good locks at the moment. They're mm-hmm. stepping up and we're building this uh, arsenal of tall timber that we're going to be able to use in lots of different occasions. Um, Sarah, I'm really going to throw this one to you, actually, as, as a resident lock on the team right now. 
Yeah, I'm really stoked. I mean, I'm a really big fan, particularly of Darcy Swain. I just think when you're that young and you're given the opportunity in the test arena to show yourself, um, he really will. And the fact that he's starting alongside Isaac Rota, we've never seen this duo before. Um, but like you said, there's some pretty tall timbers. You know, Isaac, what I really enjoy about him is, um, I guess, his ability to add around the park as well. Um, you know, he's not just, and I, it's hard to say he's not just your typical lock because I feel like... Yeah what it means to be a lock is, is changing right now with rugby. Um, but I just like the fact that, you know, he contributes really well in lineup, but um, you know, if the ball comes loose, he's keeping it in play. He's not just tucking out under his arm and, and taking it to the ground. And then you've got someone like Dicey Swain, who I think is, has been outstanding in the lineouts. And if, um, you know, particularly after last week's performance in lineouts, which were a little bit um, inconsistent, I'm hoping to see him really secure the boys. And um, I guess the Wallabies is a whole use set piece to kind of get them in the right position of the game. Because I think often when you think about set piece, you're kind of like, oh, just tick the box, like feed the, you know, feed the scrum or kick it into touch. But, you know, when you use the line out as, as a powerful piece of, of play to kind of put you in the positions where you want to be on the field um, with people like Isaac Roder and Darcy Swain, who are totally reliable, um, you'll get some good go forward through those boys. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's just the sign of this team that we've stuck with the locks that we have is awesome because Rob Simmons got a bit of time last year when he was available, but we're really sticking with that same group. And I think they all offer something different. So I think it's a real, it's nearly a game of chess where Rennie can look at the opposition and say, well, which kind of locks do I want to use this week? Like, do I want really that tight work rate? Do I want them disrupting uh, all the lineups? Or do I want them probably uh, playing a little bit more loose and just getting some work rate throughout the middle of the field? Um, just to cover the rest of that team, I think my biggest thing I'm looking for this week, um, normally I've only got the one man crush starting, Lenikatel. Mm -hmm. So normally all eyes can be on him, but I'm going to struggle this week because I've got him, Geordie, and Pete Samu all in the starting team. I don't know how much of the footy I'm going to be watching. I'll just be looking at the tucked-in shirts, looking at the left foot kick from Lenny. It's going to be, yeah, it's a struggle. But, um, yeah, look, very exciting times. We might segue that to the predictions this weekend because, you know, we, we need to see how this game is going to plan out. And it looks like we're going to back the Wallabies. But, Sarah, I'll, I'll go to you first. How much do you think the Wallabies are going to win by? Jeebus. Mm. <laughs> 12 points. 12, nice. 12. I, I, very conservative because you're very confident before. I thought you might have said 50. I, I was expecting something a little higher, but that's <laughs> that's good. <laughs> oh, you, you can win. You can win convincingly. You don't have to blow yeah. them out of the park. But, yeah, I yeah. reckon 12. Got to have 12. some humble pie. Nice, nice. Uh, Ando, will you be as humble as Sarah has been? No, God, no. Um, I, <laughs> I'm going to go big because I think, Ooh. how much did we win by last, last weekend? Was it 19? 19, 19 yeah. 19. And look, they've had Matera and Medrano and a bunch of other players that have just been boozing it up in Byron who are unavailable for this game now. And you pointed out the front row stocks being particularly weak. Look, the games are won and lost up front. And I seriously think that, and it's, it's awesome to say that our front row has been performing really, really well. And I think mm. that we have the chance to get that scrum ascendancy. That's going to lead to position and points. I'm going to be going by 21. Ooh. All right. I feel like I've undersold our mighty yeah. qualities. <laughs> no, but you're the conservative, mature person. We're the people that don't, like, we nah. can just say whatever we want. Nobody cares what we say. You may as well tip the Argentina. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look, when you say 12 points, you may as well tip for Argentina, I think, Sarah. That, that's, it's cutting it too close. This is going to be a blowout. And <laughs> no, I, 
Ed, I feel bad. I've, I've got the receipts on Superbrew to prove it, but I I tipped them uh, by 22. So I think, you know, I, okay. I'll sort of play that sort of, um, you know, that, that just edging uh, your score, see if they can get out. I do want to say that they'd win by more because of the advantages we have. Like this team, they've been on the road for so long. Like Argentina are doing better than they should be. Um, so despite not getting the wins, like it's no slight on them. But I still think this team that they've got is really young and exciting. So I expect them to actually come out. They haven't won any matches. They're just going to be keen to put on a show. So I expect their young backline to score a few tries just in the process of trying to, you know, show that they're still on the world stage. They've got a lot to fight for. So I'll, I'll say 22. Um, and I've added those little asterisks just to make it not seem too disrespectful. But, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, cool. We've got so many people that have put their comments in. So Lincoln Adler's 38 to 9. Bloody hell, that's a 29-point victory. Um Let's go, Michael Gardner. Wallabies by 20. Conrad Mackindo, uh, Wallabies by 30. That is huge. Mark Morris, 20. All from inside balls to Kelly. <laughs> nice. Yes, mate. Uh, <laughs> uh, Hugh Tindall, Wallabies by 25. Could get rough for the RGs in tight. And we've got the firepower to score many tries. Angus Pickering by 20. Uh, Zach Chen, roughly the same, 9 to 28, same as last week. Uh, good old rugby union shellacking from Jock Cudmore, pound him into the earth, 30 plus. Wow. Poor productions. Pound him into the earth. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> um, four productions, uh, Wallabies by 11. RGs are with for their last yeah. game. See, that's what I think. That's what I thought until they went and did something so stupid with the Byron Bay stuff um, and lost some of their key players. If they hadn't done that, I'd be so much more conservative than I am now. Um, How do you reckon the, the, their staff are acting right now? Do you reckon they're like, they're so angry at these boys? Oh, I don't know. I reckon they could be using it as like a, oh, um, Sanzar didn't give us the right information. The whole world is against us. Let's galvanize and come together for this final match. I can kind of see Checker getting them revved up for the final game. I don't, it just depends how they control the narrative within their team. If they can kind yeah. of change a narrative to be where the underdogs, everybody's against us, it could get them up. Um, or they just go, we're done. We're tired. We miss our family. <laughs> we're tired. We're home. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Tim Foster, Mitch's brother, actually, Wallabies by 30. Doug Gardner, I don't care what we win by as long as I get to be there. Yeah, they've taken the capacity yeah. down to 25%, which sucks. Um, so oh, good luck, wow. Douglas. Hope that you get there. And then, uh, Zach Chen. Oh, mate, <laughs> you're lucky that I just happened to click on that one. When do we see <laughs> Will Skelson in the 15 to add that he's almost 30 kilograms heavier than some of our uh second rows? Look, you'll probably see him on a spring tour. There were some comments so far regarding mm. um his availability for the Wallabies during a spring tour. He's made himself available, so I wouldn't be surprised if we see him in there. I think he adds a definite point of difference just in the power that he brings to the locking department. Um, but Ladies and gentlemen, we do need to finish there. We have gone a bit over time. Normally, we're going for about 45 to 50, but we've been having so much fun that we're up to 55 minutes so far. Um, so <laughs> firstly, I just need to say, Sarah, thank you so much for being on. It has been an absolute ball having you on with the energy, the joy, and the experience that you bring within the game of rugby. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I had an absolute ball. And I love the live comments. They are so fun. Mm. I feel like yeah. I'm talking to like so many people. It feels great. But no, I, it was a joy for me to be um, on with you boys tonight. Whether Mitch is, hi, Mitch. Um, <laughs> tonight. Um, but hopefully we can yeah. catch up. 
Now, Sarah, there is something that I just can't let you go away with before asking. Oh, where is it? Mitch, um, can you tell us what you're looking forward to the most about the game this weekend whilst I find this comment? Yeah. Sorry, repeat that question once more. Uh, sorry, Rev, what are you most oh, looking Rev, forward sorry. to with the game this weekend? Sorry. It's all good. All good, sir. <laughs> uh, for this weekend, I'm most looking forward to seeing another performance like our second game against Springboks. I just want to see a team performance, one where everyone's sort of lifting to the occasion because I think it's very easy for this team now to have a few star performers yeah. and just individual brilliance take over. I'd love to see them keep building that sort of team-first mentality and that they all are lifting for the occasion. Agreed, agreed. Now, Sarah, right before we finish up, um, Hugh Tindall's asked, can you just pronounce success? please <laughs> <laughs> you guys are brutal wow. <laughs> give me a drum roll bro. give me a drum roll go success oh <laughs> very well done very well done and lincoln no there's no need to talk about new zealand first south versus south africa is a boring game so let's move on <laughs> okay thank you everybody have a wonderful evening and we will catch you later Good night, good evening, goodbye.